Good morning and welcome to the Reliably Well podcast, a podcast for medical professionals looking for insight into ways to be more effective for their patients and communities by making sure they are caring for themselves first and thriving in their lives. Welcome to the Reliably Well podcast. My name is Sam Peters and I am the host here and currently we're here in Tupelo with Dr. Johnson and we have Dr. Lovely on the phone in Tuscaloosa. We're going to talk about wellness today and those that have listened to a few of our episodes before, um, today is the first day that we're actually sending out the podcast. Uh, we're, we're putting it public and we're going to talk about wellness and burnout. But even before that, let's talk about reliably well for a moment. So in April of 2020, there were over 1 million podcasts and over 30 million episodes. So I feel like the market out there is saturated with just podcasts. What makes Reliably Well different? So I'm going to ask this to Dr. Johnsey. What is the vision for Reliably Well? I think it's just an opportunity for us to, to converse, um, uh, an opportunity to, to start talking about things. And um, I think clearly we had the vision to project this to our team members. Um, and I think it helps when the voice is somebody that you know in, per- in, in person uh, to be that, that voice to open up the, the conversation and to, to generate some of the thoughts. But it, it may hold benefit to those who we haven't had that uh, connection with. I think there are a lot of clinicians working in a lot of EDs, a lot of hospitals around this, this nation that may not have um, somebody who's kind of walked in their same shoes uh, and dealt with some of the same issues uh, with them that, that's backing them up. And, and that's really what I see my role and Dr. Lovely's role uh, with, with Relias is to help our team members, to, to give them that support that they need to, to um, you know, pick them up when they're a little bit down. Um, that, that, that's, that's what we um, have as a goal here. So if we can be helpful in that way to somebody who's not, um, wearing rely scrubs, more than happy to to help the whole um, you know house of medicine in whatever way we can have uh, a positive impact. So I, I think it's um, it's not necessarily the the goal of what we got into talking about these things uh, wasn't wasn't really what we had uh, there is to help all of you humanity and but if we help one other person um, then then we have served mm-hmm. uh, a bigger purpose than what we ever set out for. Yeah, great. So, um, podcast is a very yeah popular medium right now, and I know Dr. Lovely, you listen to a lot of podcasts. What? Um, why do you think podcasts are a good medium uh, to communicate uh, what we have to communicate? My little brother wants to be a, an actor. He wants to go into acting, and we were talking about it in detail. How, how do you make the steps to become excellent at whatever, whatever your goal is, it is acting. Uh, and my advice to him was to go where the cutting edge of that conversation of acting is happening, go to Broadway. And I think podcasts are a way of human conversation where you can engage with people at the highest level of whatever your area of interest is. Um, so here we're having a conversation about physician wellness and medical things uh, that I believe is at the cutting edge and at the highest level. And what you see when you find a podcast that you like, 
Uh, sometimes the host, when they start, they may not be an expert in that subject subject matter, but as they bring people on, sometimes that podcast grows to become probably the best human source of conversation information in that area. And so we're talking about wellness now because it's probably the most underlooked but most valuable aspect of what uh, is going on in medicine right now. If we can help uh, with the physicians with wellness and become experts in wellness, uh, it'll make everybody better. Yeah, and I think uh, just to, to jump on that thought as well, I think podcast again, given the, the uh, hospital medicine and emergency medicine clinicians lifestyle and shift work um, kind of mentality, podcasts fit so well into um, I, can, I can absorb that content when it fits into my life as opposed to I am at the, um, you know, at, at the whims of whatever the schedule is out there for this to be offered in grand rounds or some other medium. Um, so I think it, it works very well for uh, folks like us uh, to, to absorb those things and learn from, from this kind of a medium. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to start this podcast and help clinicians practically in, in their practices, uh, especially on their journey towards wellness. There's going to be a focus on wellness uh, as we talk about medicine. Okay, so now let's start talking about burnout. I would like to talk about wellness first, but I know everyone's talking about burnout, and I want to address this issue first. So in, in 2019 in Medscape, it reported that about 40% of physicians are, are experiencing a symptom of burnout. And surprisingly, I guess 50% were female physicians. Before we start talking intelligently about wellness, I'm sorry, before we start talking intelligently about burnout, what, Dr. Johnsey, what is burnout? What, what are the symptoms of burnout? Yeah, well, uh, I think that uh, one thing I would have to make note of on your on your burnout data is I think that's actually improved from their 2013 uh, data just a little bit the the overall which is which is heartening that hey if if we're um, I guess the cynic might say well people are just gotten used to being burned out uh, and so they don't report it anymore but uh, I've taken these surveys and and it does it does I think prompt you. Um, when I took it in 2013, it was actually fairly revealing to me. Um, so I think the the data that they get from that is 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 probably pretty good data, is what I mean to say. And the fact that there's a decline there, I think that offers hope. Um, just in that in that simple fact, because they're not doing small 300 uh, samples, they're doing you know tens of thousands of folks in these in these uh, Medscape surveys. So it, it, it's a good number of folks with some data that we can. Uh, think about reliably. I've been burned out. I've said that in, in many uh, situations before. I, I, I know personally how that feels for me, um, the, the, the idea of burnout. And, and I guess the over, there's a lot of definitions out there in, in less than, you know, trying to pull out somebody's, you know, Maslow's uh, burnout index or something. What it means to, what it has meant to me is just that exhaustion. And it, I think it's much more emotional that, that spills over into physical, but it is just that complete fatigue that you feel that that then, I think, 
um, rolls over into a lot of the depersonalization aspects of of people and especially patients when we interact with them about just not having the emotional bandwidth to be able to engage with that person. And once we are simply there churning out more widgets, then what it is that we're doing feels so, so, you know, there's not a lot of meaning there. There's Mm -hmm. not a lot of value. There's not a lot of uh, purpose. And that is not what I think any of us went into medicine feeling or believing. I, I um, have said this before. My my route to to my career has been quite circuitous, and you know I, I was I was got a degree in chemical engineering, and and that was not a bad field to go into. But when I did it, I just didn't feel any any draw to it. It was going to be a job, and when I decided to go into medicine. Uh, it was because it was the anti-job. It was a calling. It was a passion. Uh, and when you get burned out, you absolutely have lost any passion for what it is that you're doing uh, because the fatigue is so palpable. You mentioned burnout and exhaustion is one of those symptoms. There's other two other symptoms. What are those? Yeah, there's there's a lack of, of understanding of importance in your role. You don't see the benefit of what you're doing, and then that depersonalization. Okay. Doctor Lovely, do you have a experience with burnout? Have you been out? Have you been burned out before? Yeah, and I, I think Joe put it really well. Um, you're, it's those times where you really overdo it, and. Uh, some people can overdo it for years. You're going to pay the piper. It's going to come back. You, there's only so much you have inside to give. Only There's only so much resilience, and every every little bit you put out uh, is going to start to wear on you, and you have to have that time to stop and think and, and roll back to where you need to be. So some, some wellness to me a little bit is about finding a baseline uh, and maintaining that baseline because whenever you jump above it, you're going to have to spend some time below it to – even out. If you're going to run a run a marathon, uh, you can pick a, a good even speed that you can run that whole marathon out, or you can sprint really fast and then try to jog really slow to make up for that energy burn that you gave out early. But okay. by doing it that fast and slow way, you end up uh, you end up lowering your own bar than if you can find a good steady pace. Well, and I think to to carry on to that analogy, you're going to run the marathon. You're going to need to do some stuff the next week to heal your body back up from that expenditure of energy to be able to run another one. There are a few freaks in the world who can, you know, run a marathon every day. And Mm -hmm. I I think you're close to being one of those Mm -hmm. kind of people, Sam, but for most human beings, there there is that, that recovery period that Mm -hmm. we need to with, um, significant exertions. Um, and unfortunately sometimes we don't think we think that we're one of those those freaks of nature and for a while we can be but eventually something happens that shows us that we're not anymore yeah you can go hard for everybody can go too hard for a while i think the problem with our specialty especially emergency medicine it draws you into more and more and more and more and there's always another shift and you can take that that speed 10 of yours and just maintain it for way too long and that's where people end up burned out and they feel like they don't want to be part of the career anymore because they hate it and they're not feeling like each interaction is a personalized interaction because they're just there to make a paycheck because the reason they were at 10 was to see what that monthly paycheck would be 
and they've adapted their new lifestyle to where that was, and then they're in this bad cycle where it's hard to reset back to where their true baseline should be, where wellness, where their baseline wellness should be. Let's begin, start talking about wellness, which I, I already started doing, but through, through talking about wellness, it's a very ambiguous thing to talk about uh some you know being well what does it mean to be well well in what way Uh, i know uh aristotle talks about something called uh eudaimonia which is normally translated as happiness um he said every single human behavior is aimed towards uh eudaimonia and much later on then you had someone like nietzsche and he thought that all of human behavior is centered at getting more power and that's what wellness is it's you know you know the human good is power and then you have someone like Sigmund Freud who said it's really not about going towards some kind of dot it's rather getting away from fear getting away from some kind of anxiety Um, I want to define wellness because if we are going to talk and and encourage others towards some kind of end some destination we're going to hit that mark much more likely if we have it defined so dr lovely let's start with you how would you define wellness i thought it was really interesting how you went over how each philosopher viewed what uh what the point of life was or what the direction toward well-being is um, and it looks like, for, so Freud picked anxiety. I mean, there's certainly a part of your brain that's wired to avoid anxiety. I think we all have that. Maybe that was what was strongest toward him. So that's why he picked anxiety. Absolutely. There's a part of me that works toward avoiding anxiety and that's part of well-being. The, low, the more I can lower my anxiety. Nietzsche picked power. I think there's a something in all of us. And I don't think that's necessarily a good part or a bad part, but there's certainly something in all of us that wants to have power for the sake of having power. Obviously, Nietzsche really wanted power, so that was the key to him. I don't think either, any of those are uh, uh, my particular uh, driver, um, but it's interesting that each one sees it that way. Um, wellness to me is more about um, – it's almost like being selfishly selfless in that uh, I have to do things, I have to take time for myself – and look at myself from the external and say, what does this person need to do to be the best person they can for everybody else? Does that make sense? So what to make myself well, I have to take a step back and look at where am I failing in life and who am I not performing well for and what's most important. And then the actions I take sometimes generally are selfish actions. So I need to work out, which, uh, when we go like on beach trips, my wife always gets mad when there's a family and the dad's super jacked and like looks great. And the mom's got like four kids. and like out of shape. It's like, he's not taking any time to help her. It's like true, but there's certainly some need for that selfish time of working out or running and taking that mental step back or being selfish from your job and taking a step back and maybe not working 18 shifts a month, but instead working 10 or 12 or whatever it is you need to put in. And I think, uh, on the corporate level, the best companies, like you were talking about the best coaches in running are focused on their, the wellness of the runners. The best companies are focused on the wellness of their people, uh, because that's what will make you, that's what will make you the best team altogether. So I love that we as a company are doing this because it helps us take a step back and say, what's how, how do we get the most out of our people? And that's by making them the best we can make them. And sometimes that means us taking a sacrifice and saying, instead of, 
hey, uh, uh, buy that new house because I know that means you're going to have to work an extra six shifts every month to pay it off, and I'm going to get that out of you. It's like, hey, let's think about it. You know, take a step, see where you are, and let's. I don't need you to work 18. You can work 12, and we'll hire somebody else, and let's all kind of take that pace together instead of push people as hard as you can. Dr. Johnson, you want to add? Yeah, I I kind of jump into this with a little trepidation here because I don't want people to hear me as blaming uh, the the clinician or blaming the person who is down, who is feeling burned out for their situation. Um, I think part of my direction is really um, at those who have not reached the point of burnout, um, um, those younger folks who are entering the profession, uh, that's, that's the way where I sit and I look at it. So I don't want to dismiss the fact that there are issues in our medical system that make it harder sometimes to do the right thing for the patient and what that does to you and how that breaks you down sometimes. But in this idea of wellness, I think so many of us kind of see wellness the way we see health in our 20s. And unless we were unfortunate enough to be born with some congenital disease or have some early onset of a, of a significant uh, chronic health issue, we see health as a given. Um, and for some, it's even into their 30s and their 40s and you know beyond where we just assume health is what we have. And I think a lot of us have the same sort of perspective on wellness. Well, that's just what you you have all the time. You are you are well. And what I think the biggest revelation for me over the past several years is just as we would advise our patients to take an active role in promoting their own health, we should be taking a very active role individually and as a collective to promote our own wellness in the role that we have. Um, we have to take ownership of what it is that we've been given and make sure that we maintain it so that it can continue the marathon and not the sprint. And all too often, we focus on our life in very small increments instead of with a longer-term perspective on a career, um, on, a, on, a, on a job, on a marriage, anything else that, that we have. We have shorter-term looks at it as opposed to a longer-term perspective. And so, again, I think that's a lot of what we want to think about with, um, with Reliably Well. There are some things we can do to help the environment, and from a corporate level, that's what we want to do. We want to fix the medical practices that we're engaged in um, as much as we possibly can to make them promote a more positive work environment. But you can do everything in the world and you can have the perfect work environment. And, and I think in a way I've been kind of spoiled um, at, at um, some of the locations that I work at as to how really functional they are. But I have seen individuals, even in those highly functional environments, still burn out. So what's the underlying issue then? And, 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 and there are human decisions and choices and, and, and failures that have occurred uh, to cause that to happen. And again, I think it's, it's allowing um, life to happen to us as opposed to us taking some control and making some of those thought-out decisions and not buying... Um, as Dr. Lovely, ref, you know, alluded to that, you know, McMansion 
um, just because we can and our banker says, yes, I'll loan you that much money. But thinking about what that really means to us 5, 10, 15 years down the road, um, I think that's um, some of the perspective that all too many um, nurse practitioners and physician assistants and physicians, they don't think about um, because smart people around them either haven't stood up and kind of told them, hey, wait just a little bit, uh, think about what's going on, or people have actively told them, no, that's what you ought to do. Um, that And, you know, again, we've, we've denied, denied, denied for uh, years and years and sometimes decade, more than, more than a decade, uh, getting to the point where we can do some things that we've wanted to do um, and we wind up overdoing. And there's consequences to those things and they, they confine us and they trap us um, and they, they, they exhaust us. And we wind up uh, in, in the point where we're burned out and there's no other choice but to just keep on keeping on um, is the way folks feel. And, and it's, it's terrible when you see that happen and you see careers and marriages and relationships damaged sometimes irrevocably um, because of um, the lack of, of kind of looking at wellness from what are the things that I can do for myself. Uh, you can't work in a, in a really toxic clinical practice uh, and do enough well things for yourself uh, to overcome that if it is so toxic. But, uh, again, you can work in the best environment and still burn yourself out if, you, if, you don't, if you're not proactive uh, in, in your wellness. You made the idea of that dichotomy very clear to me in that they talk about moral injury in that you're in this system and things have, as part of the system can cause burnout or harm to you. So, right? so there's this external piece. But that doesn't mean you can abdicate your own responsibility for your own wellness and what's going on inside. And not only that, you have this broken system. If you take control of and recognize that all you can do is control how you interact with that system and refocus on your own wellness, if you get to a place of wellness, you can see that in that system, there are places you can push and change it to make it be the way we need it to be. And in my opinion, I think the system gets better every year, not worse. I think society as a whole in general is getting better every year, not worse. Less people are in poverty every year, not more people in poverty. And so I think if we keep growing and if we can get more people well and take the time to stop and instead of blaming and blaming the system and pushing elsewhere, but instead looking at themselves and looking at how they can interact with the system to change it the way it needs to be changed, the faster we can get to our destination. I do think about wellness. I know it's sometimes related to resilience and I don't know if this would be the right metaphor but wellness is to a person what elasticity is to a rubber band what do you think about that I, I kind of think about resilience is more that kind of elasticity I think about wellness is almost your vaccination almost your um, you know, your, your, um, prevention is your prevention. Absolutely. Um, versus the resilience is more, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to get sick at some point in time. How well can I recover from that? That's where I see that idea of building up resistance. Uh, I mean, resilience, resilience. um, in ourselves is, is being able to bounce back, but wellness is that, can I, can I get my, 
A1C lower, even though I'm not a diabetic yet, or can I get my cholesterol lower so I don't wind up developing the the burnout in the end that I need to bounce back from uh, in promoting that that health as much as we possibly can. Um, certainly, some of the things that we do to promote health are going to help us to recover from from burnout if we've already gotten to that point. So I don't mean that they're necessarily um, uh, different actions that we take. Um, there may be more drastic actions, just as you know, if if we if we keep our weight down and we exercise and we don't become a diabetic, then we're not going to have to worry about the toe or the leg amputation down the road. Uh, if we get if we're a diabetic and we don't do a good job of 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 working on our diabetes, then we may have some drastic things in our resilience. You know, we have to amputate parts of our lives and things like that to get back to a a point where we can we can be well um, again. But but I, again, I think that 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 idea to me of wellness is really that baseline health uh, that we have. Um, and I hope we can have more and more people that we build well concepts for them so they never have to get to burnout because I, I i don't want to if we got burnout clinicians and, and and i have i have been been fortunate enough to be able to recover from it and it's great unfortunately there's some of our 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 team members that don't recover from burnout and and it winds up you know costing them again their career their marriage and and in some tragic situations their 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 lives we know physicians uh, commit suicide at a rate far beyond um, the average um, in, in our society. Uh, you know, sometimes in some some segments, approaching you know just catastrophic um, kind of levels. Uh, I think yeah. it's you know four or five hundred a year, uh, which is just um, just just terrible. So if we can prevent people from getting from that burnout, then we can drop that number of folks that we we don't have any chance to recover. So at the end of these episodes, we want to give something practical for our clinicians or for, for any listener to take away and actually practice. So is wellness something like weight that we can actually, you know, go on a diet and, um, and drop some weight, but then later on, once you get off that diet, it may come back and, is wellness something that we can change? And as I understand it, and from reading uh, Dr. Martin Seligman's book, Flourish, it is something that actually changes. You can actually change wellness. It's not just something that's in your DNA that you can't change. You were just all determined. It's faded. No, that's not how wellness is. And the one thing he says in this book, which I really like, is he says, kindness produces the single most reliable momentary increase in, of well-being of any exercise practiced. And I want to I want to encourage all of our listeners to write a card of gratitude. And this is something that we talk about, but I, I've I've never actually never talked about this. And he says it in the book, and I thought about it, and I do think that this is quite significant. Don't just mail it, but hand deliver it. Um, hand deliver a handwritten card to someone and he, he talks about it being the single most reliable momentary increase in well-being of anything that they've practiced just one 
expression of wellness. So to our listeners, uh, go write that card to your to your friend that you haven't talked about how, how much you appreciate their friendship or to your spouse. R- write that card and, and if you can, hand, hand deliver it. All right. Thank you, Dr. Lovely and Dr. Johnsey for jumping on today. I had fun. Please subscribe to this channel and please reach out to me if you have any future I- ideas for episodes. Until next time, be well.